0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: internet podcast and, uh, come about to inform you, to challenge you, and to encourage you to be how you could be. We in for a great time this morning. We have a special guest on this morning. He's going to talk about some things that are very, that is prevalent in today's society. You know, with this pandemic going on here, and there's a lot of things going back and forth, but I saw it in my mind and I asked God to give me some clarity on this, and we have a health care administrator on the line here, Mr. Ron Session here. You have a uh MA and an M S degree here and he's gonna share with us some things here. And he's a part of the health the health network. Uh so he's gonna give us some insight on that there. Your next voice you'll hear will be Mr Ron Session where he would introduce himself. And we have a set of questions we're going to ask. We ask you to be patient for any call-in. The call-in number is 310-982-4126. Again, the call-in number where you, too, could be a part of this great show and ask some questions to give you some clarity on some things that's going on here. At that number, is 310-982-4126. So the next voice you'll hear will be Mr. Ron Sessions. Well, good
2: morning, good morning Joe. Now, How are you this Session? morning? Doing great, thank you, thank you. I am so honored to you be a part of the program this morning. I'm more than appreciative of you having me on this morning.
1: You know, you're no know, stranger to what we're trying to do, and I thank God that you find enough in us that you're just willing to make yourself available. And plus, you enjoy doing what you do. I could tell it in your presentation.
2: <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, I've always and, believed that the the best thing you can do with knowledge is share.
1: Yeah. Now tell us something about yourself. Now I'm, I'm reading your bio and I was just blown away. And I just wouldn't do it justice because you got a lot of things going on here. Well, give us some insight <laughs> so I will listen to audience and know that we're for real
2: about what we're going to discuss today. Well, I, I, I guess the number one thing that I want people to know about me is I'm a father, and, 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 and a son, and a brother and being those things first and foremost makes me concerned about what's going on in the world right now you know when you have people in your life that help make you who you are you know when you have such pandemics as what we're going through right now and you have parents who are elderly it makes you very concerned about you know their health and 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 the health of your your fellow man so myself i'm uh, as you stated I'm an administrator in, in a local hospital district here in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, I'm also an, an elected official in, in a local county and a former uh, adjunct college professor. I've done a, quite a few things. You know, in my my background and my specialty is in behavioral health, and, you know, psychotherapy to be exact. I've been a practicing psychotherapist at one point in time in my life, but right now my My primary focus is on on healthcare administration, and I've been involved in that for about the last 20 or so years, so kind of have had an opportunity to see everything that goes on in and around us as it relates to the health of, of Dallas County and just recognizing how this current threat is a threat to all.
1: And, and that's so true. And you know, you have been a part of our, uh, one of our conferences, and I was blown away about the antici- about the uh, uh, about the the way the audience was engaged in what you had to say. The participation because people are serious about their health. They want to take control yeah. of their health, but sometimes they feel like that they don't uh, 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 have access to someone that knows about it. And I thank God for you making yourself available. And but today, what we're going to talk about is this pandemic. This there's a uh, uh, coronavirus that's going around, you know, and uh, uh, and, yeah. and people are scared. They aren't unsure. They don't know what to go. Oh, and you know, you hear different things on the news media, and a lot of them are in sync. But then some people mm-hmm. say, "Well, we just don't know what to do." Let's start off just talking about that right now. About first well, some of the you know, symptoms yeah. of this virus. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, I was just going to say, you know, it's hard to make good decisions when you don't have the information or the knowledge you need to be able to make those decisions, and that's where people are right now.
1: Yeah, and it's so true, and that's one reason we wanted to bring this into the forefront and just hopefully we get us some clarity on some things because, you know, when you around people that have your best interests at heart, you tend to kind of gravitate to them, and I know that you have mm-hmm. uh, uh, men and women and society's best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. So I, I sent you a list of questions uh, that was set up, set up by our listening audience, and one of them was mm-hmm. saying, "What is the symptoms of this virus, and how do you really know what you have?" Because people are getting sick and they rush to the doctor, they rush into the hospital. What's up with that?
2: Well, typically the first symptom is, is a fever, and I know here in Dallas County, if you go to any of the testing sites, what they're doing just're testing is he number one is your temperature above ninety nine point six. That's one of the telltale signs of of whether or not you have something going on with your body. And typically a temperature is your body trying to combat whatever has invaded it. Now, secondly, they will start, you know, they'll look and ask you some questions about, do you have any type of cough or you having any difficulties breathing? And then the last thing is you'll start seeing some flu and cold like symptoms. So those are some of the primary things that kind of tell you that there's something going on with your body. And, And, and those are some of the primary symptoms that the, the coronavirus of covid nineteen actually causes your body to experience as it it seeks to invade your your, your respiratory system
1: hey, and I'm glad you said that because you know this time of year here we we' uh, switching over from winter to springtime with the allergies and people have mm-hmm. sinuses and they have breathing problems, and sometimes we can get that confused with the covid nineteen
2: mhm. I say one of the primary things you need to do, and I know it's a little difficult right now because I've been to some of the many stores is you need to always keep a thermometer in your home. You know, you need to be able to check your temperature and check the temperatures of your kids. Cause like I said, that's one of the first signs is your body raises your temperature because your, your, your immune system has been activated and your body's beginning starting to fight. And as it starts that fight, it raises your body temperature. So, you know, you should always have a thermometer at home.
1: Okay, okay. You know, I hadn't thought about that uh, because we don't think about a thermometer when we get sick or something. But now, now the thermometer yeah. that you were aware of and that you're gonna come with. What about those that laser pointed ones, just to punch your forehead? Would you think that those are good, or is it? What do you have a preference?
2: Hmm. It depends on who's always going to be using it. Now at The hospital what we're doing, what we're testing right now, we're using non-touch, touch infrared thermometer. And we're using that okay. for a basic reason because we're screening hundreds of people at a time on a day, sometimes three and four hundred people at a time are being having their temperature checked, you know, through the line. And you don't want to touch people to be able to transmit um, bacteria, viruses, or or anything else from person to person. So you you need a laser touch, you know, but no no uh, laser, no touch thermometer. Now you don't have to go out and invest in one of those. A, a, a basic thermometer will work. It's just You just have to know how to clean it and to take care of it in your home or either buy the sleeves that will go over the thermometer if it's one that you're putting into your mouth. And then that way you can just change the sleeves every time you test someone different. You know, they have them at most drugstores out there.
1: What do you think is a a suitable test procedure for checking your temperature at your house? you think is is it something we should do every day or based on, you know, just if you like to, is it a couple times a week or what? What's the normal deal that you would uh, suggest?
2: Typically, I don't think you have to check your temperature every day unless you're working in an industry that causes you to to be a a fear of of having contracted some of these, like, you know, when you're working in the healthcare industry and you're like now, you know, we check our data because we're in like I say, we're engaging hundreds of people every day. Uh, I would just say, you know, check it when you feel that your body's changing. You, you know, no one knows you like you. And so you know when there's something different about your body and that's when I would suggest you, you check your temperature. Or, you know, or again, if you're working in an industry that puts you at 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 a heightened risk of being exposed to certain you know, viruses and bacteria, then I would say check it on a more regular basis.
1: Okay, okay, just depend on your environment and your uh, your uh, your social activities. Then. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes, hey, I, 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 one other question that interested in, I drink coffee, and those people drink tea, mm-hmm. hot tea, cold tea. They were saying that because of you know, uh, the liquids, the warmer liquids, have mm-hmm. a greater effect or lessen the effect of the COVID nineteen virus. Is there any truth to that?
2: No, there is no scientific evidence that drinking warm liquids has any impact on, on the virus. None at all. You know, it, that warm liquids is more about loosening up congestion in, in, in your system. That's typically what people use it for is just to loosen up congestion. But as I stated. You know, the signs of the coronavirus, they're typically in congestion, is not one of the first things you experience. It's more the fever. So, the warmer liquids, that's not a a, a science. There's no science to that.
1: Yeah, okay, great. That's great. That's one of the uh, questions that was being presented to us. And another thing, once they diagnose the case or you feel like that you may be coming down with something, over the counter medication, we know they're available. Mm -hmm and we can purchase some anyone can purchase over-the-counter medication. Is that mm-hmm. – uh, what what over-the-counter medication will help relieve or lessen the uh, effect of this here dreadful disease?
2: Well, I mean, the over-the-counter medications are, more, are going to be more geared toward the the flu and cold-like symptoms. They're not going to impact the virus in your body or have any, any cause any change with the virus. They're just going to help alleviate – some of the flu and cold-like symptoms they could experience as a result of the virus. So, I mean, if you're at that point, you know, you can, you can take over the kind of meds, but typically when you get to that point, you're probably on your way to the hospital because once your body starts experiencing those flu and cold-like symptoms, remember this is a respiratory disease and its primary goal is to shut down your respiratory system. And so once that starts, you're going to need external support and external help. That's not something you can medicate at home, and you shouldn't try. Oh. You should seek assistance okay, okay. And seek help.
1: Oh, that's great. That's great. That's good information. And, you know, on the flip side of that, people tend to try to say, fortify their body, so they get a lot of, uh, you know, the vitamins and the uh, and the vitamin mm-hmm. supplements to try to ward off the things, which we do for normal cold and flu allergies or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that still suitable to do? Can you build up your immune system to kind of help? I've uh, lessened the severity of this COVID-19,
2: provided you get it. Yeah, I would suggest that you do try to, you know, can take vitamins on a, on a daily basis. You know, you, the healthier you are, the more likely your body is going to be able to fight off this, this this virus or it's going to be strong enough that to, to get through through. All of the episodes that are brought along by this virus, you know. So yeah, definitely hydrate yourself on a continuous basis. You know, that's very important. You know, diet, nutrition, those are some primary things that you need to to continue to do. You know, eat. You know, it's okay to eat some foods that don't necessarily aren't as healthy as they should be. But the primary word to remember there is simply moderation. You know, you know, it, it, we can do anything. If we do it in in moderate amounts that they don't cause severe trauma to our body, so that's the primary thing. just you know remember keep whatever you put in your body, do it in moderate amounts.
1: Oh, that's great, that's great. uh we'll take a pause here for a minute number is in numbers three one oh nine eight two forty one twenty six We're talking to Mr. Session, he's a health care provider administrator. Uh, and he's giving us some insight on the COVID nineteen virus. So if you want some information, you want some clarity. You're tired of just being tossed to and fro. It's an opportunity for you to ask someone that can give you some insight, to give mm-hmm. you uh uh it can get you in the point you in the right direction, well said, say like that. And so it's your opportunity to call in. Again, that call in number is three one oh Ninety two forty one twenty six and and Mister Session, we're gonna continue this line of conversation uh, based on what we've already been speaking about. Is there some thing that you might want to add that we may have missed before we go any further with the questions?
2: I guess the primary thing is just for so people to recognize that uh, COVID nineteen is is similar to cold and flu virus. They they do their worst damage during during the time when people are in more close to quarters with each other it's a social virus meaning that it, it, it works best when people are having social interaction and, and and just remember that you know so follow some of the basic rules that you're, you're hearing on, on TV especially the rule of, of sheltering in place you know maintaining your your social distance from people that's important because when people are coughing or sneezing you know the droplets that they spew out from their body Travel in the air for a certain you know distance, so if you maintain your social distance, you're less less likely to to be impacted or contact those 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 bodily fluids while people are are coughing and sneezing. and this and I realize that one of the hardest things that we're doing is when we ask people to shelter in place and to stay at home is you're asking people to go home and do nothing. And it is a very difficult process for people to see doing nothing as actually doing something. So, you know, just being able to recognize that when you're doing this, you know, sheltering in place and, and you're at home doing nothing, you're actually helping with that statement we keep hearing on TV, people saying, you know, you know, reduce the curve. And basically what they're saying is the less opportunities that there are for the virus to be transmitted from person to person, the more likely we are to reduce the amount of, and the number of people who are being impacted and, and, and infected by this virus because when you eliminate those social interactions, you eliminate the routes that the virus utilizes to transmit itself from one individual to another.
1: You know, as you were saying, I was thinking about trying to starve the virus because it doesn't have mm-hmm. another host. It's kind of like Lake dormant and it's kind of like... Being dissipated by the present host. Is that, what, is that the, the man said? Is that the thinking of the, of the doctors and the scientists? It's kind of
3: yeah, stall
1: the virus in that way once our yeah. body get adjusted to it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's basically What's it. You, you know, it it does a few things. Number one, it it keeps the virus from transmitting from you know, reduces the amount of people that are impacted. Number two, it allows the healthcare system to catch up. Because of the you know, the number of people that are in, being impacted is so ever overwhelming, the health care system often doesn't have the opportunity to catch up. So when we help reduce the transmission of the virus, we let we give some rest to those healthcare workers who are. I can tell you, I'm I'm pulling twelve hour days now on a regular basis. So we're giving people an opportunity to catch up, and, and we're helping the virus not. Helping to create opportunities where the virus can't be transmitted to more individuals.
1: And I'm glad you said that. You know, we as we watch the news and see news articles, whether they're on the internet or Facebook or just TV, or a local channel or, or this, the big the big channel, they talk about how this. The strain has been put on the health, care, The hospital with lack of materials, mm-hmm. with the smocks and the masks and all the things mm-hmm. that they need. Is it? Uh, sometimes people say, "Well, I don't believe that," or some people say, "I don't think they need all that." Give us some insight on that, based on your well, knowledge. Is that really, really a strain on the healthcare system with lack of material and supplies.
2: Very much so. You got to remember, our healthcare system is only designed to accommodate a certain number of people. You know, that's there. I often tell people, we can't build enough bricks and mortar to be able to provide healthcare and inpatient health for all of the individuals that need it. So you gotta have some other avenues to help alleviate some of that. And and that's where this comes into place is just creating avenues so that people and, and, and systems have an opportunity to grow it. The healthcare system is designed to be able to provide health for a certain amount of people at any given time. And then when you get a pandemic such as this, you know, and you multiply that number by, you know, Several times, the system is not designed to carry that type of load. And then you also got to consider, you know, one of the things you're seeing quite a bit is the individuals that are being impacted and infected with this virus, and often uh, the the healthcare individuals, the first responders, people who are trying to help you as an individual with this disease, you know, get well and then putting themselves in harm's way. You know, and we tell each other all the time. You know, we we chose to go into this business, and, and and chosen to go into the healthcare industry. You choose to put yourself in harm's way. You know, people think that you know it's 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 good. It's a good job, and it's and it's you know consistent. But you you made a conscious choice to put yourself in harm's way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially in the last. A few years, the uh, last 20 years, there's always different viruses and pandemics have been uh, 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 coming up. And and so we want to thank our mm-hmm. health care provider, our first line of defense for these uh, dreadful uh, diseases that's coming about. Now, uh, for clarity, this is a question that I'm going to present. Now, when we have an emergency at the house, said grandma was mm-hmm. having a heart attack or pop out or fell and broke his hip, when we call 911, what kind of response are we expecting? Because it's difficult now. We know that the health care is, is struggling. But when they, when they come there and we're anxious mm-hmm. for them to get some results, what are, what can we expect when the paramedic pull up to a house?
2: Well, I guess, number one, you can expect them to do an assessment to determine whether or not the individual needs to be transferred, transported to an emergency health care facility, an ER, an ED, an ER, emergency room. That's their primary role, is to is to stabilize, assess and then in transport that's basically what uh the the paramedics and the, and the, and the ambulance job is to, you know to stabilize the individual first and foremost uh to assess the individual and see you know what's the next step and then the transport if that if that's needed that's that's their primary role they're not you know going to be doing any kind of major invasive Procedure or anything like that on site. Again, their job is to to stabilize, assess, and transport. So you know you shouldn't expect them to do anything beyond that point. You know now they're going to do life saving measures if that's what's required. But you know that's typically what their their role is. And like you know right now, you know with people going through this, the best thing you can do is 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 try to not put an extra strain on that system, and that's one of the things I say about having a thermometer at home you know people are going to the hospital because they believe they have a temperature, whereas if you had a thermometer, you'll be able to actually verify whether or not you have a temperature, and you need to be trying to access the system and you know, part of the load on the system is people going having you know people having being afraid and i I tell people you. Believe the science, not the emotions. And we get a lot yes. of people that you'll see on TV that they emote on a consistent basis. You know, they they'll call themselves journalists and, and reporters, but their show sure is most more about emotions and creating an emotional reaction between with their audience. And and that's not that's not science. That's just you know building people up. Follow the science. You know, unfortunately, we will you'll see a lot of people on TV who don't have any idea of what that means when 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 you say follow the science. But the reality is there's a reason why we have the science. And you've got to – I'm so
1: glad it. you pointed that out. I'm glad. Now, uh, I'm asking about the paramedics coming to visit them because I've seen an article or read somewhere, I can't recall it. When they come in, they want to make sure, hey, nobody in here is sick and they try to do a quick assessment. <laughs> Uh, the residents, and they, they said they even were even going to send one person in there just to kind of observe what's going on. As far as you know, have that procedure been in, in, implemented or do they just follow the normal procedure? Although they knew they got to they got to make sure that people in the house are okay. So what is the procedure? No, that I mean, yeah, I they
2: I mean, yeah, they have protocols similar to what we have in the hospitals. Now, one of the protocols in the hospital now is to, to screen everyone for their temperature and cough as they're coming into the system, you know, to try – to try to prevent, you know, yourself number one from being impacted. And, and because, you know, if you're a healthcare provider, you can't provide healthcare to people when you yourself are sick. Number two, to protect the patients. You know, and and and, and that's the primary thing. Protect your patients by screening yourself for for emergency services, for paramedics. You know, there's only a, a finite number of people that have that skill set. And so in order to keep them viable and being able to go out and provide those skills, they need to consider their own health. So yeah, you'll find something now that when they arrive, they are asking the question, you know, about what's going on in the house. Is there anyone in the house that has any of these symptoms to try to protect themselves? Now, like again, they're going to provide life-saving measures if that's needed. They'll just put on the proper PPE, uh, personal protective equipment, to, to to help them be protected, but then they are going to provide the the care and the services that is needed.
1: Okay, okay. And really, I don't want us to be overwhelmed because we are so emotionally connected to the relatives and loved ones. That when the paramedic comes mm-hmm. in at it and they ask another question that doesn't seem to be related to the injury of the person we call them for, we get a little bit upset. And so uh, would it be normal for a paramedic to whoever comes to the door to immediately stick a... A, a a temperature gauge in uh, in their forehead just to start talking to them. Say hey, let me t- see if you got a temperature.
2: Well, now I don't know what the, the 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 local fire department all the protocols are. I know for us, in order to, to you know for you to be treated, one of the primary things in the beginning of the com- of the communication is checking the person's temperature. So I would not okay. say that would be something far-fetched because, again, they're trying to protect their safety because they're needed to be at more than just that one location. And every time you impact one of your first responders or call them to go down, that's one less responder that's able to go out and provide health care. And you gotta remember, they may provide health care to 40 or 50 people a day. So if you take that one person out of the mix, you just impacted 40 or 50 other individuals that day. So, you you know, we got to look at it from – you know, from a business perspective and from a community perspective, when you impact a health care provider, a first responder, you impact more than just that individual. You impact that individual, you impact the individual's family, you impact that individual's coworkers, and most of all, you impact the individuals that that one, that responder can provide health care to and health services to. Oh,
1: that's so true. You know, uh. I got a question there here, and and uh, this question keeps popping up, and people want to know, you hear these two terms, and what is the difference of these two terms? A pandemic and highly contagious. You hear them interchange sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes you hear one more than the other. Can you give us some clarity well, on that? A pandemic versus highly contagious. Yeah.
2: A pandemic is simply a, a global outbreak of, of a disease. That means it, it's it gone beyond the borders of, of of countries and beyond the borders of communities and it's gone you know nation nationally so that's me that's just a pandemic is basically you have a disease and it's traveled outside of the borders of the original location where it was where it started or where it was uh, um, noted so that's basically all the pandemic is and and highly contagious that means what that simply means it's easily transmittable from one person to another. Either di- through direct or indirect di- contact. Direct meaning you touch someone, or or or, or you you have you know, physical contact with someone in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Or indirect meaning someone actually touches something, and then you come along and you touch or have contact with that same item, and then that that germ or virus or whatever is transmitted to you. Kind of like how the flu virus makes its way around. You know, someone sneezes, and then they open the doorknob, and then someone comes in a few minutes later and opens that same doorknob, and they don't sanitize their hands, use hand sanitizer or whatever, wash their hands immediately after. And now, now you've got the flu virus on their hands, and then they end up touching somewhere on their body that allows that virus to get into their, into their body and invade their their their, their body. So that's basically what highly contagious means. Simply, it's easily transmitted from one person to another.
1: Okay, okay, great. And, you know, with this uh, pandemic and this COVID-19, we have to treat it uh, more so than like the flu. You know how we get the flu? We want to isolate. We go back in the back room. we go to a living area and just stay there until it surpasses So. And uh, that's something that we uh-huh. have to be mindful of. Treat it like the flu, but it's more severe than the flu because it requires an added uh, an added component to your health recovery because you may have yeah. a, a breathing problem. Now, all people that have it, their breathing isn't as restricted uh, uh, challenging as other people, right? Because we hear about people re- uh, getting over. We don't know what process they went through, but we hear about people are recovering within a certain length of time.
2: Why it's typically right now the science is saying it's about twenty percent or so of those who receive it that are going to it's going to have a major impact on their health. You know, so that means it's about eighty percent that they're going to be able to to withstand the virus and actually you know you know do okay. But the reality problem is people you don't know which percent which one of those groups you fall in.
0: And we you know yeah.
2: originally the people were saying it was more you know older people but now you're starting to realize that it's impacting young people at at almost the same rates here lately and you're starting to see more and more 20 and 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 30 and 40 year olds who are being a you know infected with this disease and who are having major health care problems because of this disease
1: I'm glad you brought that up because when they first started reporting, they would only give us a report on the elderly, people that were dying, and not so much as the younger people that were getting sick and maybe even recovering. You know, uh, we have our young men and women that doesn't take this this, this dreadful pandemic or disease seriously, so they want to go out and they want to do their own thing. And they may be healthy, and their body may be able to fight off the disease, but they go home and they, they share it with the family. Let's talk about yeah, that for minute. How important it is for us to talk to our young men and women to let them know the social activities that they've been encountering from the time they can remember. They need to kind of curtail those
2: things. Well, you know, there are certain stages in our lives where we find ourselves more concerned and are only concerned with who we are and not who those in our life who make us who we are. And that's the big issue is people aren't considering the fact that if I contract this virus, you know, it may not cause major harm to me, but I have family members, I have elderly family members. I have family members who have compromised immune systems. I have family members who have you know some maybe diabetic or have other you know, pre-existing health conditions that cause them to be more susceptible to you know, other diseases. And so when you, you know, the primary thing we've got to get people to understand is you need to be considerate of more than just self. And the moment you re- start recognizing that my life is not just my own, it changes your perspective when you realize that there are others that, who are dependent upon you and the decisions that you make.
1: Yes, that's so true. Thank you for giving us some clarity on that. And I encourage our listening audience, young or old, to kind of keep these things into mind, you know, to heart that we've been talking about. Pass them on. Share with the members of your household and family members and let them know how how serious this matter is. We have never experienced anything like this, and we hope to never Mm -hmm. do it again at this here level. But while we're in the midst of it, we have to use sound judgment. And f- it, it, it be surrounded and listen to advice of the educators and the scientists And not just on some old sales Or someone that trying to, po- you know, provoke us, you know In the direction mm-hmm. they want us to go So I want to thank you Now, we have a, yeah. a caller here on the line here We're going to ask her to come in here And see if she would like to say something here And good morning, LaShonda, Yonnet. We have Dr. Doc- we have Mr. Session on the line Would you like to say something?
3: Good morning, God Good morning. online. Hello, good morning. Oh, I'm sorry,
1: Mr. Good morning. Session. I just to say session, please well, I was, me. <laughs> I,
3: I am so grateful and thankful for, to you for coming on this morning and uh clarifying some things for us. It has been um really eye-opener this uh coronavirus is just so devastating. But my question to you would be: How long does this um, virus usually last um, uh, in effect for your body? Does it, it does it run a course like the flu? You know, the flu usually lasts maybe two to four weeks. Or uh, is there any estimated time for its um, could departure out of you, so to say?
2: Well, I would say that if you have a healthy immune system that's not being compromised in any way, shape, or form or fashion, if you're 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 exercising, if you're you're doing your hydration, if you have a good diet and, and you're you're eating your colors and greens, then yeah, you can say it may take you know two to four weeks or so, and it may the virus may run its course. The issue is, you know, we are you know. M- you don't know who that's going to be and and because the virus is more of a chameleon right now, we haven't truly been able to to develop the science to tell us you know the, the the basic proteins that the virus consists of and 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 how it's going to impact individuals based on their age i'm not I would not suggest anyone just take it as you know the cold or the, or the flu you know because you isolate yourself with the cold or the flu you you have a pretty good chance of being able to survive it, even though the flu is pretty pretty deadly. Uh, but if you isolate yourself with like COVID-19, you know, that's, without getting tested, if you have all of the major symptoms, then we don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know if it's going to come back you know, in 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 the summer, or if the if the warm weather is going to treat it the way it does, or if it does what other viruses do during warm weather, and people become less social, is that they subside and then they come back when the winter time when we're we're more likely to be staying close quarters with one another. So we don't know. So just
3: okay, of course, well, like you're... the
2: average flu. No.
3: All right. If you are found positive, and uh, is, do that mean that you have to be immediately hospitalized, or uh, is there no. something that they can give you to treat uh, uh, something to treat you with? or uh, uh, How long does it take to? I know they say your lungs develop fibrosis in them. So um, at that stage that you are positive, okay, and you're running mm-hmm. the fever. Do you have to be uh, incubated into the hospital right then?
2: No, no. Not everyone who, who's run, who tested positive for the disease has to be quarantined or admitted into the hospital. So again, it depends on how strong your body is or how strong your immune system is. You know, some people that they typically tell people, you know, you need to go home and quarantine yourself. But what you need to do, when I tell I people, you go home and quarantine yourself. You need to have someone in your family that you're checking with on um, at least a two or a two or three times a day, so that in case you do succumb sub, succumb to the virus, that they're, and you don't check in with them, you have someone who knows. Okay, now I need to call, you know, the emergency services and have someone come to your house and then explain to them what happened. But not everybody needs to go into the hospital. We don't have enough hospital beds for everyone who contracts this virus to be able to be hospitalized. We're far outside of that, that, that realm right now. So, you know, it just depends if you're having severe episodes with the virus, then yeah. You know, but if it's not causing you to, to need hospitalization, you, don't, you, you probably won't be hospitalized. They'll probably just send you home and explain and, and give you some, some recommendations of, of how to deal with it. And like I said, the one thing I tell people is just make sure that you're, you're in contact with your family. You know the, one of the problem with seniors is we often don't contact them on a regular basis to make sure that they're okay. You know so that's my primary thing is know you know your body, know your health, know what you're able to endure, and then you know go home. If your doctor if your doctor tells you you know you don't need to be hospitalized, just go home and take some of the other precautions to not infect other members of your family, and then create a system where you have someone to check in on a daily basis.
3: Okay, thank you, Doctor Sessions.
2: Yeah,
1: very informative. All right, thank you, Mr. Sessions. You said something about going home in quarantine and you uh, you may mention that the hospital is not equipped to handle a mass number of people and that's a, uh, and cool. to that go without saying but home a quarantine or self-quarantine, you're in a house you got mm-hmm. mama there, grandmama husband and wife, three kids how do you self-quarantine mm-hmm. at a house without endangering the family how, you know, or do you really concern that with that, you want to a- keep it in the house how do you go about
0: doing that? Well, do you lock yourself in a room and well, you, talk to us you about self
1: quarantine?
2: Yeah, you literally almost have to you have to seclude yourself in a room from the rest of your family and not have any physical contact with them. You need to again, that's where that whole social distancing comes into place. It's keeping an adequate distance so that if that person does cough or sneeze that it doesn't contact you. And that that may include you being in the room, and you know someone is bringing you food and all of the above. But they're, you know, they're doing, they're taking the precautions to keep them from being impacted by the, the the virus. You may, you know, you have to have paper plates and all the other things that go along with that. So yeah, so you, you just send the food at the doorway
1: and uh, to the den. You <laughs> find them a nice, comfortable place where they got all the luxuries of home, and just leave them in there.
2: That's almost where it has to be. You need a restroom, or a bed, and and some food and a TV. <laughs> but now, now, now you to may the mention a paper place and
1: stuff of that nature. Yeah. Uh, what mm-hmm. about the utensils? Say someone's in, 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 contagious. We know about washing mm-hmm. stuff, uh, sterilizing things. But you would suggest using some paper goods, where so that way you can just get rid of it, get it out of mm-hmm. the house altogether, that way you're not in the kitchen I with mean, it.
2: Well, if that's an option for you, yeah, that's the best option is to not be, you know, transmitting stuff. You know, you're going to need some gloves in that case, you know. So if you do have, you don't have those things, you know, a good antibacterial dish soap will basically clean your dishes, you know, hot water and a good antibacterial dish soap but you don't want to make physical contact with those with it at that time. And that's, that's where the okay, gloves okay. come in. Versus, but if you have paper plates, that's even better because you don't have to try to be continuously watching plates and things of that sort because this person, you know, if they're sneezing or whatever, you know, it, it comes out of their body. And um, the, the, yes. then you have to consider, you know, you know, how do we clean the room? You know, how long right now the virus, you know, we ex- suspect it'll last Two to three days on metal and, and plastic surfaces. Uh, surfaces, so you know, versus it'll last maybe a day on on cardboard and paper surfaces. So that's kind of how you have to look at that. Is how what do we need to do to protect us in the house? And that means uh-huh. going above and beyond those precautions. You know, you know, you know, not everybody like you said. Not everybody's going to be able to go to be hospitalized. People are going to have to go home. So you have to recognize that not everybody needs to be hospitalized. So when you go home, how do you take precautions? You know, if you've tested, been tested, but you don't have the, the, the results, you still need to take the precautions at that point in time because if there's something that causes you to suspect you may be infected with the virus, that's when you immediately start taking those precautions. Don't wait until you get test results back.
1: And I'm glad you said that because we heard about one of our congressmen. And when he took the test, and then went out and did some social activities, the fact that he was positive, so they had to backtrack to all mm-hmm. the places he went and the contacts he made. So, yeah, if you suspect, if you suspect it, do something about it. Thank you for sharing that yeah. with. Now, uh, uh, Mr. Sessions, you may mention about uh, about the room that the uh, that the quarantines in. That the room needs to be uh, properly prepped after the uh, after his time of. Uh, Isolation is over with. Uh, how mm-hmm. do a person, do we need to go back and get a doctor's clearance? I know on jobs we do, but for the family sensor, uh, what why do we know that this virus can pass through and it's not effective anymore? Say you're at home self-quarantined. You don't have the ability to go to the doctor. You're checking your temperature, but mm-hmm. you might have what, one dry cough every hour or so. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, how do we know that we are good to go back in and, and socialize with the family, even in our quarantine state? <laughs>
2: Well, basically right now what they're just telling, what you hear most people say is just, you know, self-quarantine for 14 days. That way you know if after the 14 days you're not experiencing those major symptoms, then there's a high likelihood that you are not, you know, (laughs) infected with the virus. That 14 days gives you your body an opportunity to, to show the symptoms and gives your system and your surroundings an opportunity for the virus to basically die on those services. Surfaces that you have around you. So yeah, by just self-quarantine, you know, and then you, like I said, now if you do end up with the, with the virus, if your results come back positive, that's when you need to reach out out to your to your healthcare provider at that time to, to get further instruction. Again, I say believe okay. the science, and the best science you're going you're going to get is from your primary care physician or whichever or whatever physician you're utilizing to. To give you advice on what to do next. Don't live no, off of it. what you see on TV, uh, what you see on the internet, what you see on social media. Contact your healthcare professional who understands the science of what you've been infected with and can give you the best advice. Oh, That's good.
0: That's good sound advice. So thank
1: you for sharing that with us. I uh, long mm-hmm. a person there that's been in here, the wash of hands. I know that seems so simple and plain, but uh, they say mm-hmm. wash your hands as often as you can. You know, put the hand sanitizer. Let us know the importance, while we listening, to the audience, to say, "Hey, I sanitized my hand this morning. I'm okay for right now throughout the day." How often should we sanitize mm-hmm. our hands on a regular basis? Is it two times every four hours? Every what? Every time you touch something? What is the? Is there a technique what of is? time that you should?
2: Anytime you have contact with any surfaces that, surface that you suspect may be contaminated, you should sanitize or wash your hands with a, with a soap or a good hand sanitizer. You know, that's, that's the basic premise of it. Because what happens is we touch our face, you know, several times every few minutes when you're touching your face. And this virus and many other viruses seek their, their route of interest into your body through your nose, your, your, your eyes, and your mouth. And we don't realize, we unconsciously do touch those three items on our body on a consistent basis throughout the day. So anytime you contact any surface, you should sanitize or wash your hands if you're, you suspect that that surface may be infected. You know, now you if you're just home and you don't have any symptoms and nobody in your house has has symptoms, you don't need to sanitize your hands every time you touch something. But if you're coughing and someone else in the house is coughing and you you suspect you may be impacted by the virus or you may have been tested but you don't have your results, practice good hand hygiene practices at that time. You know, just you know and like I said, basically, the basic purpose of soap is to neutralize the oils in your skin so that the, the bacteria or whatever's on your skin will wash away. That's what soap does. It, it neutralizes the oils in your skin so that you can wash away whatever's on your body because the oils are what causes things to cling to your body.
1: All right, we we gonna open the phone lines up again. And we got a couple people that want to ask you a per, uh, question personally. But before we bring them mm-hmm. on, I would just like to say thank you once again. This has been a very informative uh, session here. You've been a great guest on our Vlog Talk program. And I'm so honored that you spent time with us Saturday morning. I always consider to be your personal time, but you decided to spend your time with me and my audience. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, and yeah, you, you know, you gave us some information we can use. We not just on here running out here. I'm a Christian and you are too. I
3: believe the power of God, mm-hmm. but also God. I believe that God worked through the hands of the physician
1: and the educators to let us know yeah. that all is not law Because once they done came to do the best they can, then that's when God steps in. Today's time we call it for yes. a, a a spiritual awakening, you know for us to be taking mind to our own hands. you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and we was talking about the children of Israel how they, how was we was thinking about that when they got ready to put a pass, up, we told everybody to go in the house and put a mark over their door. He had them all to shelter in mm-hmm. his place until his day passed. We got to take mindful of that. we need to shelter his place until his name passed. <laughs> that's right, you know. And wait mm-hmm. on God to give us some clarity on this here. So thank you, thank you. You know, to this morning, mm-hmm. and, and, and obviously they, they listen to this particular program, they're going to get a sense of comfort mm-hmm. and assurance of some things yeah. that they need to do, some things that they hadn't even thought about doing, but maybe they can just set things right, and knowing that even shelter-in-place is still could uh find comfort and assurance. We have another guest online here. LaShonda wants to come back in and ask you a okay. question. So we're okay. gonna
3: bring her in here. Lashanda, you on the net with Mr. Session? Uh, Doctor Session, you said that once that you think that you have the symptoms and you need to uh, contact your physician. Is there a hotline that people can call, or um, just to get general questions answered about uh, their symptoms, or do they have to contact contact their primary care doctor or uh, what kind of how how do they contact them because I know they're going to be busy and answering all the other people patients that they have so uh, how do you do that
2: well I don't know of any hotline but I do know of CDC.gov Center for uh, Disease Control and and go to if you were to go online and and into their Website. You can basically they, every question you want to have answered, they will answer for you, and they may actually have where you can email them and and have something set up. So that would be the option I would take. Is just go to cdc.gov and just access okay. their information.
3: Okay. Thank you. That that's very informative because I was I know the lines would be you know clogged up trying to get to your doctor, and um, you know mm-hmm. you don't want to go out. If you if you're suspecting, but uh, you need to have somebody that you can call, so or contact. That, yeah, that, that, yeah.
2: The, the CDC is 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 my go-to source. You know, whenever I have any questions, especially when you're talking about diseases, and and COVID nineteen is a is a disease, so the CDC will be your best choice to get information on COVID nineteen.
3: All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, listen. This is great. We have the phone line letter.
1: we got another guest that's going to come in and ask a question, too, before we end this program. But I want to ask something before we get any further. Our homeless population.
2: Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because, you know, I guess there's some good things in the homeless population as it relates to this, because typically you'll find homeless people, they're not in large social settings. But the bad thing is is that there's no one around to monitor their health, and they do have impact with other individuals and so you know the, the my i guess personal opinion is you know that we don't have enough services to to for our homeless population, and we need to have more services you know I know that you know one of the local hospital systems actually has a homeless program that actually goes out and provides services to the homeless and provides health care on-site health care in communities where homeless can access that that, that, that health care through their their van system but you know that's that's a small part of the system and you know you know dealing with our homeless population is a very touchy subject because you know we have all of the shelters in the area that you know, are partners with the, the healthcare communities, but there are a lot of limitations that often prevent them from accessing those shelters or some of them don't want to access those shelters, whether it be that they just don't want the restrictions or cognitively they're not there to the point where they recognize that that could be a benefit for them. So unfortunately so we don't have oh, all the oh, services. Before
1: I just like to. Now, I I do ministry, street ministry. Uh, This is a very Mm -hmm. uh, iffy and touchy subject now. How can we still minister with the resources that our homeless people, uh, our homeless residents need without being overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by the situation we're in now? We're talking about social distance, but you know that when you're feeding Mm -hmm. people, they're all up on you. You're up on them. You want to greet them, you want to talk to them, you want to lay hands on them. And. Personally, i am just put it out there, we kind of stopped our ministry right now. I know everyone had their own choice to me, mm-hmm. but, but I'm mindful of our volunteers, not so much of myself. But I right. don't want to put nobody else's life. And that's what you said earlier. We need to think beyond ourselves, you know. Think yeah. about someone else that may see suffering from health issues. How do we go about still maintaining that portion of ministry but yet uh, being effective? and
2: what we do. Well, I, on I know one of the things I saw on the on, on the local news last night that, that I kind of believe in and I actually did part of my, my internship in undergraduate school at, you know, a couple of the homeless facilities here in Dallas. So, and one of the things I saw them doing was basically going with, you know, boxing up the, the meals and then just placing the meals on the table so that people, homeless people or whoever could walk through the, and pick up a meal off the table and not have any physical contact with individuals. I mean, they, they still need, people still need to eat, and people still need some of the basic items in, of, of care. So, you know, if you have the ability, I would say donate to some of the shelters. Donate to some of the, the, the facilities that feed the homeless. Donate to some of the, you know, churches that are going out and feeding the homeless. You may not have to put yourself in personal harm's way, but there's still opportunities for people to assist. And there's still ways of feeding people without, you know, putting people in harm's way. Oh, great!
1: Thank you, thank you. Someone needs to hear that. I need to hear that. You know, <laughs> so it goes both mm-hmm. go ways. So thank you. Now I have another guest on the line here, and I'm our time is drawing short here. So thank you, thank you. And uh, this has been a well-used mm-hmm. uh, hour here. We have uh, Mister Daniels here. He's our part of our co-host here, Mister Daniel. You're on the net with Mister Sessions.
0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are y'all doing today? Doing great. Well, we, had a
1: great, we, we had a great conversation this morning, and we only got a few more minutes left, but I know you have a question or two that you would like to ask, Tim. Make it as brief as possible so you can get an answer on
0: it. Well, um, we are talking uh, uh, infection. And so what I'm talking about, uh, I, you know, there was a reference about a, a drug that they would use it before it was used to treat malaria. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's called Chloroquine. And a lot chlorotene. of people yeah. are really stuff about this drug being treated on people because if you're going to uh, use a drug on it, they want to know whether it has any side effects, whether it hurt you or will it kill you in the wrong run. But
3: this mm-hmm. drug
0: seems to have been uh, on the market for a long time. And so, uh, and um, and then I also read that it has one deal in it uh, called zinc, and I know zinc is like a, some metal, but it's an element, and it's mostly used for immunity. It builds Mm -hmm. up immunity, and it builds up the sense of smell and taste, and it's also used uh, for your postrate and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So, um, um, is there any resentment or any fight against us trying to basically find a weapon mm-hmm. because you cannot go into a battle without having a weapons or some kind of strategy and mm-hmm. and in order for you to fight our enemy and this enemy we can't see it. You know, we mm-hmm. we, we know it's there but at the same time, like Reverend Lewis said, we are going, we listen to people, we are reading things. We've been bored by the radio every day giving uh giving uh just, uh stories about how everybody's dying and this city is dying and the other day they had one main thing they said Dollars hey, has Brother, Brother Brother Brother
1: mm-hmm. Daniel. For clarity and sake of time, let him go ahead and answer that before we go on with anything. Okay. Then we'll, bring, we'll come back to you on that. Oh, now, okay. your question was, the uh, drugs that have been presented, are they safe to use, the one that they talk about uh, for uh, uh, malaria? Mr. Session, yeah. do you have any thoughts on anything on that?
2: Well, I guess the, the first the good thing is chloroquine has been approved for human consumption to treat malaria. So that right there says that it's been vetted and approved to to be able to utilize in humans. Now it's like any other drug right now as it relates to uh, the coronavirus in that it's being trial and and, and clinical trial simply means just trial and error. We're going to try this and see if it works. We're going to try that and see if it works. We're going to try this and see if it works. But the, the good thing is anything that we can try right now, is better than having nothing. So and we realize that it works in in humans and that its impact on the on the human body is not detrimental to the point that its its benefits are. So then that's basically how medications are approved. Are the benefits greater than the 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 the, the negative side effects of this medication? So chloroquine has been approved for human consumption. They're just testing it now or doing trials on it to make sure that or to see what is its impact on COVID nineteen. So the the good part is we've at least passed that stage of determining whether or not it's good or okay for human consumption because it has been utilized to treat malaria. So yeah, oh, I great. I, hey, I see. Know, yeah. Go, go
1: ahead. Go. No, no, no. It seems like that's up for I... clinical debate there. <laughs> yeah. Some people say mm-hmm. yes, some people say let's wait a while, so I understand what you're saying. And that's, well, now that's, Mr. Daniel may have another yeah. question here We're running out of time here Mr. Daniel So if you can make it brief as possible So Mr. Session can uh, explain it to us Or give us an answer
0: Okay. Well I got another question I think he kind of said it and again, uh, What part of the body Do you really think The, uh, the virus hides in At first Well Okay,
2: say that question for me one more time so I make sure I'm answering.
0: Okay, it. what part of the respiratory system do you think it hides in before well, it, 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 it? The primary thing that okay. COVID
2: 19 does
0: is it, it, it attaches
2: itself to the proteins in your lungs. And that's what it does. It's, it's, a, it's a respiratory disease, as you just stated, meaning it impacts your, your respiratory system. And that being the primary component of your respiratory system are your lungs. And then there's this protein in your lungs called H2, and, that, and what COVID-19 does is it connects it and it attaches to that 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 protein, and it just embeds itself in that protein, which is, you know, it's throughout your, your body and primarily in your organs. And so what COVID-19 does is it wants to get into your lungs, and that that protein exists in your lungs, and that's what it utilizes to basically set up house.
1: Oh, that's great. This session, our time is about up right now, so I want to thank you once again. You've been a great guest, a lot of information. But before you go, there's one thank other you. thing that's on the question here that Mary just uh, emailed me and asked about the uh, the uh, smell and taste that's associated with this disease. That's something that they just realized Is that also the makeup of it? What comes first, the caffeine or the, what comes first with all of the, with these diseases that the do uh, the, the caffeine allow no, the smell and taste? That was his concern. Was well, say, hey,
2: I'm a the smell I'm and taste is a it is a little bit down the line. First, you you it it, it goes the fever, and then you start getting the dry cough, and then you start getting some of these flu like symptoms, kind of like with even with the flu and 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 the cold, it impacts your ability to smell and taste. So that's just a standard part of this process. It's no. It's nothing new from any other you know respiratory disease is that it impacts your ability to be able to smell because it seeks its access through your respiratory system, and your your nose and, and, and your breathing tract is is all a part of your your, your respiratory system, so it can't help but because you know time you go to the doctor and you have something going on with your with your, with your nose, they send you to the ENT the ear nose and throat specialist because they're all connected so you can't help but have your smell and your taste impacted by it but that's further down the line that's not a primary you know indicator the primary indicator is number one is you have a fever that's greater than 90, 99.6 number two you do have an ongoing recently onset um, dry cough and number three you know, do you have any, any breathing complications, and are you experiencing any flu and cold-like symptoms? So it just, it's kind of like a, it's just a process of knowing that A leads to B, B leads to C, and C leads to D.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. the uh, Session, we're going to end this uh, portion of our program. We want to thank you. You've been a great guest. You took up the whole hour. and It was well worth it. So thank you. And you know what? Because of what's going on in the uh, climate environment, we'd love you to come back on towards the fall and give us some clarity on this, and we'll see where we're at now. We need to we yeah. need to take uh, you know control of our health. I love your presentation at our conference, and we don't know if we're able to have it this year. But guess what? God is up to something. He allows us to do it like this now. You know, we can meet more <laughs> yeah, people this way, and so we'd like yeah. you to be maybe part of a, our, our program, just giving us some health wise. You know, because I love the portion of taking you know control of your health, and that's something that we need to do. I want to thank the uh, question that was being rendered by brother Daniel and Lysandra and a whole host of other people mm-hmm. that put together our list here. Guess what? You were able to go through the whole list.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just I just I just want to leave people with these, with a couple of things. Number one, and first and foremost, believe the science, not the emotions. You know, we get so caught up in the thing you know, oh, social media is designed to, to cause people to emote. And when people when we make when we emote, we make emotional decisions, and typically what happens with emotional decisions, they're not good decisions, they're emotional decisions. And emotional decisions often end up being the ones that we don't make, that we go back and wish we hadn't made. And the last thing, understand the significance and the importance of sheltering in place. And I realize that that's asking people to go home and do nothing. But we have to come to the recognition that there is a time that doing nothing is actually doing something, and just remember that.
1: That is so true. Thank you. Thank you. I'll uh, give a chance to reconnect with the family, do some things around the house, and just reflect on
3: how good God has been <laughs> to us. So yeah, thank
1: you, yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you. This is an hour well
3: worth spending here, and I'm looking forward
1: to the next time that we, too, can sit down. I have my coffee. I hope you you have yours also. coffee. <laughs> this is a great conversation. you <laughs> like two friends just sharing about the plight of the world, knowing that we can make a difference. You know, our local our program said help change a life. And, you know, what you've done this morning, what you've been doing in the health field is changing lives. Somebody know how to regulate their, uh, uh, know what it takes to regulate their blood pressure now. Someone know about mm-hmm. hygiene tactics. Someone know about, uh, 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 uh was it uh, isolation, at home confinement, you know, self quarantine. Mm-hmm. You know, you helping changing life. But you're not doing it, no, in, it was based you. on your education. You're doing it in Jesus' name because it was God that endowed you with his wisdom and opened up doors for you and gave you the education and, and made inroads for you. Oh, that's awesome. Mr. Session, thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank our uh, right. guests that was calling in this morning, LaShonda Lewis, Brother Richard Daniel. We pray that you just had the opportunity just to listen to it. Sometimes it's good to just listen. shelter in place and listen that's <laughs> what our program is about today, you know, the COVID-19, yeah, <laughs> the facts that's about it. So thank you for giving us clarity on that. We get ready to end this program. we we'll never get out of this session without giving a word of prayer. You know, I do a lot of things. Right. I do ministry. I also, this is our community forum right here. We like to talk about things that affect God's people and so let them know that God is able. So thank you for being a part of what God is doing. Gracious Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you. We thank you for what we experienced today. We thank you for giving us clarity on this dreadful pandemic, dear Lord, how the world is being overwhelmed by it, dear Lord. But we know, dear Lord, that there's nothing too hard for you. We know that you hold our power. We thank you for the men and women on the forefront, dear Lord, our first responders for what they are doing. Mr. Sessions said that They chose this, Lord, but you chose this before, before the foundation of the world. Let them not be overwhelmed by the situation. Ask you to guard them. Put a, keep a hedge of protection around them and get them the resources that they need, dear Lord. We ask you to watch over their families. We ask you to keep them in perfect peace. Dear Lord, this too shall pass. And we're going to give you praise and the glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: Amen. I appreciate y'all. Thanks, brother List.